The summer after I graduated high school, I worked for a company called Vector Marketing, where I sold Cutco cutlery. Uh, I know we have at least one former worker here, uh, but does anybody have Cutco in their kitchen? Yeah, great stuff. I, I swear by it. Now, I don't know if this comes as a surprise to you or not, but I was a really good salesman. Um, if that does come as a surprise, I don't want to hear that. <laughs> if you're not surprised, if you're like, oh, that makes all the sense in the world, you can tell me all about that. Um, but by the end of the, the summer, after my senior year of high school, going into my freshman year of college, uh, I was actually promoted to assistant manager. One of the things that I got to do as an assistant manager was run interviews. In these interviews, most of the time, I got to be the one deciding whether somebody got a job with us or not. I had the authority to do that. Now, spoiler alert, like 90% of the people who interviewed got the job. As an assistant manager, I had more authority than, say, an average uh, salesperson. I could do things that they couldn't. But I also had less authority than my manager. So as long as I didn't exceed my authority, as long as I wasn't handing out raises or, or going and firing somebody for no reason, as long as I wasn't going beyond my authority, I was good. Authority has to come from somewhere. Everybody has authority above them except for the very one person on top in a given situation. Today, as Pastor mentioned, we are beginning a sermon series called Just As He Told You, where we focus on Jesus' words in the Gospel of Mark. We are going through, uh, during this Lenten season, we are going through the Gospel of Mark, uh, reading it once a week as a congregation. Uh, and so we are going to be becoming very familiar with Jesus and his words. Now, before we get to the words specifically, I want to look at the first half of our reading for today. So in Mark, one of the themes that you see a lot is the theme of faith. Faith opposed by unbelief. We see that here, but that's also something that as you read through Mark, you will see a lot. So at this point in Mark, we're in chapter 2, meaning only one chapter came before that. Not sure if you knew that's how it worked. But in one chapter, Jesus has already gained a following. He has become a very popular person. And for this event, you know, uh, this, for our reading today, if this were a ticketed event, tickets would be sold out. There'd be standing room only, and it'd be like lined up around the block. Jesus, again, was a popular guy. And it, it makes sense because in Mark chapter 1, we see things like him cleansing a leper, him casting out demons from many people who were possessed, and uh, healing many sick people. He was popular, and he was in high demand. So our reading picks up. He goes to Capernaum, and he's preaching, and, and there's no room at all. Now, that was a problem for the, the main person in our reading today, aside from Jesus. This paralyzed man, a paralytic, who wants to be healed. And so these, these four men are carrying this paralytic. There's no room, so what do they do? They cut a hole in the roof and lower him down. Now, I want to 
pause on this interaction with these four men carrying this paralytic. Because it is beautiful, and it encompasses two important things. First, if you look at verse 5, verse 5 is right after the men lowered the paralytic down. And this is what it says. When Jesus saw their faith. Now, we don't know. It, it could be, but it might not be talking about the paralytic. But it definitely includes those four friends. The people carrying the paralyzed man, their faith mattered. Their faith played such a role. It had such strong faith. Uh, they had such strong faith that they brought him to Jesus. You know, Luther actually makes comparisons between this and when a parent brings a baby to the waters of baptism. The baby can't get there on its own, just like this paralytic couldn't get to Jesus on his own. But it's the faith of others, the faith of others that brings them to Jesus and trusts them to his care. That is beautiful, and it should not be overlooked. The second thing that this scene encompasses is the importance of community. I think that in 21st century America, we miss out on this quite a bit. How many of you have heard the phrase, it takes a village to raise a baby? Yeah. Now, that phrase doesn't directly apply here, uh, but, but it highlights a communal aspect. Raising a baby is hard work. If you've done that, you understand. Even if you've seen somebody or been a part of it, you understand. Even if mom and dad are both home, it's hard work. Well, that phrase exists because that is how it is supposed to be. It wasn't it's not about just being you and your family unit. You depend on the people in your community, and your people in turn in your community depend on you. We are better when we do life together. Especially those of us as part of the body of Christ. Right? We should be doing life with each other. Satan wants us to be off on our own. Satan wants us to have that mentality of, it's just me, it's just my family. They wanna, he wants us to have that mentality of, my faith is just me and Jesus. But let me ask you something. You turn on National Geographic and you see a, a tiger or a lion trying to get dinner. Are they going to go for a large group or are they going to go for the one that is by itself? They're going to go to the one that's by itself. Satan wants to isolate us. He wants us to be separate. But we are better together. Brothers and sisters, let us not be on our own let us seek to be a community that does life together, that rejoices when others rejoice, that hurts when others are hurt, that holds each other accountable. Let us have the faith of these four men that bring a brother, and sis brother or sister in need that, that carries them, whether figuratively or literally, to Jesus and trusting his, into his care, knowing he is able. That's the faith that these men brought the paralytic man with to Jesus. And, and Jesus' response when, 
after he sees his faith, son, your sins are forgiven. I mean, I, I can just picture those guys carrying the map and like, that, that's great, but we want him to walk. Like, the forgiveness of sins, great, but that's not what we were here for. It's very odd, right? And the, the scribes pick up on that oddity, too. This is paraphrased, but the scribes are thinking in their hearts, hey, only God can forgive sins. Who does this man think he is? On what authority can this man say he forgives sins? And Jesus, well, he's God. He knows exactly what they're thinking, and he addresses it. And I, and I love the question that he poses. He says, okay, yep, only God can forgive sins, but I, which is easier to say to a paralytic? Your sins are forgiven, or get up and walk? He poses this question. I, I love it. Now, I sometimes face hard questions too, right? Where each option is, is difficult and there's not like a clearly better option. Sometimes my wife will ask me a question like, would you rather change the diaper of poopy, a poopy diaper on this kid or deal with this one who's having a temper tantrum? Would you rather do this or that? And I'll respond with, No. <laughs> Those both sound like bad options. I don't want to do either. Don't, don't worry, I do help. Well, this question that Jesus poses, they're both pretty much impossible. Yes, only God can forgive sins. But it's also impossible to speak and have a paralyzed man get up and walk. They're both impossible. He poses this question, but he responds before he gives them an opportunity to respond. And, and he did kind of the opposite of what I said I'd do with my wife. Instead of saying no to both, he says yes to both. Which one's harder? Doesn't matter. I will do both. I'll show you that I have the authority to do these things. There is no authority in all of creation that he does not have. Matthew 28, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Jesus, he, he demonstrates that he has the authority to forgive sins, which is, is something you cannot see, by the way. Your sins being forgiven is not visible to the eye. He shows this by doing something that is. A man who used to not be able to walk, now walking. You can see that. He shows his authority. Jesus has the authority to do these things because he's the author of life. The word authority actually comes from the word author. The one who created. He has the authority to do as he wishes. His authority, it wasn't someone else's. It wasn't like me doing the interviews where, you know, ultimately, ultimately I had more authority over me. It is his authority. And he's the one that we put our faith in. We should, we should strive to be like those men who had a, 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 they probably looked crazy, right? Doing what they did, but they had a crazy faith in the one who had all authority. We ought not to stop bringing our crazy prayers to God. 
When we stop going to God with our crazy prayers or, or with our prayers that we've grown tired of praying, over time we just, it takes on a form of, of forgetting or, or not believing that he indeed does have all authority. Jesus has all authority in heaven and on earth. Let us not forget or think otherwise. The one who the wind and the waves listened to and obeyed has all authority and control. The one who, by his death and resurrection, he took the authority back that death had over us. He has all authority. There is nothing that he cannot handle. Do you think if Jesus has authority over all those things, do you think he also has authority over the, the things that we face in life? The broken relationships, the ailing bodies, the deteriorating minds, the housing market, the, the threat of schools or churches closing, a society that is becoming harder and harder to navigate? I mean, if he has authority over death itself, don't you think he has authority over all these things too? Don't be Luther about this. Can I hear an amen to that? Amen. Yes, he has all authority. He has the whole world in his hands. All authority is his. That is our God. That is our Savior. That is the one in whom we put our trust. Don't lose boldness with your prayers just because they're not answered according to your will. The one who has ultimate authority he also knows everything. He knows exactly what we need even before we know we need it. And oh yeah, he's working in all things for our good. The one who has all authority loves you and is for you. Put your trust in him to care for you. Amen. Lord God, we thank you that that you who the wind and the waves and, and all of creation and, and death itself, none of those things have authority over you, God, and, and you are for us. What, a, what an amazing message that is for us, Lord. God, help us to keep that in mind as we go through life. Life is difficult sometimes, and there are so many areas of our life where, where we don't feel like we have authority or control, but help us to remember that you do. Help us to come boldly to you, trusting in you above our own will. Lord, we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.